We've tried to be very smart about how you put the plan together. Obviously had an offseason this year, so that was different. But feel like the guys have a good understanding of what we're doing on all three sides of the ball. Now's the time to compete. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Tonight is your chance to get a detailed peek behind the scenes from team headquarters in Berea. And you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for this week's game. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome in. We are live at the Great Road Tavern in Cleveland. It is the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Nathan Zagura alongside the three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion Gerard Cherry. Josh Dobbs is here. We will have him on the program later. We'll also hear from the head coach of your Cleveland Browns. Kevin Stefanski, we got a great crowd out here tonight. People are fired up, so come on, stop by. You can listen, big Queen of Hearts thing going on here, Gibe. We know that. A lot of excitement about that, but some excitement about this Browns team, but also, Gerard, some frustration. This is a team that right now we feel like should be sitting at a better record than the current record of two and three, falling 30 to 28 to the LA Chargers. And my question to you is, what are your big takeaways from that game? What went wrong? What went right? And how do we turn a lot of right into wins as opposed to disappointment? Well, it really comes down to, Nathan, playing four quarters of football. It also comes down to playing complementary football. Because if you don't get those two things working with you, you're not going to win football games in the National Football League. There are stretches where you have some success. But we talk about consistency and the importance of that especially on the defensive side of the ball. And what you're witnessing week in and week out with the losses in particular is inconsistency. Inconsistency in, from an alignment and assignment standpoint. Where do you go when you have run fits? Are you in the right area? Are you in the right spot? And tackling became an issue this past Sunday. And the only way you fix tackling is through attitude. You can do all the drills and emphasize it through the course of the week. But it comes back down to do you really want to tackle? And that has to be your attitude and your mentality. This defense talked a lot about wanting to be a top five defense. It's not a time to put up or shut up. It's really that simple. And here's the thing. We wouldn't have thought that this team was going to be a top five offense. We've got a backup quarterback in Jacoby Brissett. And yet I have right here our rankings. And you look at the offense. Number four in total offense, number six scoring, first in rushing, fifth on third downs, first in sacks allowed, fourth in turnovers, first in big plays, 11th in the red zone, 12th in yards per play. The only thing you're not in the top half of the league in is passing. You are 24th, but that goes in Back large part because you're number one rushing. Right. But how about the defensive side of the ball? The Browns uh. are not in the top 10 anywhere. 19th in total defense, 23rd scoring, 28th against the run. 14th against the pass, 12th on third downs, 23rd in sacks, 23rd in sacks. By the way, we had in the first two games of the season, the Browns went out there and they had six sacks. We've had three sacks total since, just one sack a game the last three weeks. We're not taking the football away. We're 26th in turnovers, 19th in the red zone, 28th in allowing big plays. Gerard, 
it was you thought it would be the exact opposite that these would be inverted as they said in Top Gun, and yet it's a defense that is Jadevian Clowney. I thought he put it perfectly, and I thought he played very well by yes, the way he certainly did. against the Chargers. It stood out. He said, "Yeah, we're great on paper, but we don't play the games on paper. We need to figure out how to be great on the field." What is what's missing? And I know you've talked about details, you've talked about the little things, but what does that actually mean? Because we're going to play a team that is the number one tackling team in the NFL, the New England Patriots, a veteran team, right. that it feels like they know the details. They won't beat themselves. You'll have to beat them. Unfortunately, it feels like the Browns have been beating themselves. Well, you nailed it, you nailed it right there. Because a lot of times when you have a talented team and you guys see it on paper, they're content with that. I've been told I'm great on paper, and you know it. You have an attitude about you. You have a confidence, but ultimately that wears off, and it becomes a mirage. You start telling yourself, we got this, we got this, but obviously by the solid play, from a complimentary defensive standpoint, you don't have this. And also, too, Nathan, when you think about the mistakes that are being made, they are fixable in the sense that alignment assignment, you can get that together. Tackling can be improved upon, too, but it comes down to do these guys really want to Pay the price necessary to be a great defense. And in order to be a great defense, you have to go out there and enforce your will. And we've seen on multiple occasions, unfortunately, that this defense does not carry it through for four full quarters. It becomes, okay, we made a good play. Let's rest on our laurels. And, again, I think that comes from being told how good they are. And Jadavian said it best. It looks good on paper, but we're not performing when it comes to Sundays. Yeah, and we talk about that run defense in particular, Gerard. Weeks one through three, the Browns gave up 251 yards rushing, just 83 a game. Right. Weeks four and five, they've given up 440 yards rushing and four touchdowns. That's 220 per game and over six and a half yards per carry Ooh. over those last two games. That is, Those are just stunning numbers, especially given the opponents. Right. Given the opponents and the fact that you faced last week, an L.A. Chargers team that came into the game with 258 yards rushing on the season. Right. And they ran for 238 against us. Right. And that's the worst team. In the they were the worst. In the National not Football anymore. League rushing. And, no, they're back on top. It's not the top, but obviously they they're pretty good. Their, yeah. their numbers. But here's the thing, too. We have to put this into consideration. Teams are smart. Teams spend a lot of time studying weaknesses and strengths. And if I'm a football team studying our football team from a defensive standpoint, I know that I don't want to be in passing situations because you have two guys in Miles and Jadavian yep. who will get the job done. So what do you do? Go to the weakness. You're always studying and preparing to find a team's weakness. And unfortunately, it was let out of the bag against the Falcons that if you make a concentrated effort and a concerted effort to run the football on us, it's more effective than actually the pass. And why do I say that when you say, well, is the pass more effective because it's chunk plays? No, the pass is not more effective. When you're able to run on someone in the National Football League, that is emasculating. That hurts your feelings. Sure. That throws you off. That makes you question your toughness. That makes you question why you're playing a football game. And when you know it's coming and you still can't stop it, that does mental damage to you as a defense. So we got a bunch of problems. Yes, we have to sure up. But the thing is this, Nathan. We've done it before. Yep. We've been in a place before where we were making mistakes. We've been in a place before where the tackling wasn't that good. So it comes down to those guys in that room saying, you know what? Enough is enough. Let's stop resting on our laurels of people telling us how great we are because obviously we're not playing great defense. What can you do schematically, if anything, That's a great question. to try to combat the run? Because, listen, 
Bill Belichick, you played for him. Mm-hmm. He knows what our weakness is. Right. And he's got a 230-pound guy in Ramondre Stevenson who just ran for 161 yards right. a week and ago. believe me, he'll be used. He's going to be running. So what can we do schematically with our fronts, if anything, to try and slow down this rushing attack? Now, when I played for the Patriots, we would run a 3-4 and a 4-3. We had multiple, multiple. fronts. Yep. Go odd and even fronts. We're not doing that because of the reason that we're inexperienced. We're, we're having a hard enough time dealing with the 4-3 that we're running. Yep. So what you can do, but here's where it gets problematic. You can shoot the gaps and tell the linebackers, hey, just fire off. But what if it's a play action? What if it's an RPO? Then you're really stuck. And that's what's getting us caught up in that with the run-pass option. You don't know if it's run or pass. And if you're getting gashed in the run, then what are you going to do? So ultimately it comes back down to the defensive lineman, put more pressure on them to perform at a higher level. So those interior guys, not only do you have to engage and get penetration, but once you do sense this as a run, you're going to have to throw guys into gaps and cloud it up that way to make it more definitive for the linebackers as well as the safeties to know their run fits. If you go back and look at Grant Delpit on that long run by Eckler, Eckler yep. he can't decipher where, he's, where Eckler's going to hit the hole at. He, he goes one way and makes the wrong decision. And he Eckler went outside and Eckler went inside. But that was a yep. fair decision because there were two places to go. And you can't have that. So the defensive linemen are going to have to do a better job of, again, creating a situation in which they're throwing guys in the gaps and then playing off of that as opposed to just going straight up and trying to make the tackle but sacrificing stats for the idea that, hey, let me let my linebacker clean it up and also let me throw him into this guy so the guards don't get a free release to get right to the linebackers because Phillips is getting what? He's getting blocked every time because yep. of the simple fact it's a free release because he, the uncovered lineman is getting to him. So that's really all you can do. Or if you blitz the gaps, like I said before, that's going to put you in a spot to where if they get past the second level, it's going to be dangerous again because you're asking a safety to make a one-on-one tackle with an NFL running back time in and time again. Let me ask you this because I go back to what to the Browns of 2021. Uh-huh. We could run the ball. Right. Everybody knew it. And it felt like as the season went on, teams would put maybe five or six guys on the line of scrimmage. They'd play man on the outside. Right. And they would say, throw us out of this formation. We could not do that. Now, this year we can, which right. is why you're seeing when we go in 11 personnel, teams are going and matching that with nickels opposed to staying in base. Right. But we've got good corners. And we have corners who can play man. This is not a great throwing team. I don't care if Mac Jones starts or right. if it's Bailey Zappi. Is that something? And the same is true next week with New York, with uh, Baltimore. They don't have great receivers. They don't have scary receivers. And their quarterback's one of the best players on the planet, but not in a pick-you-apart type of a way. And you want to keep him from running. Is that something that we can do in this game is say, look, let's just load it up and play man and take our chances against a quarterback throwing tight windows to get to moving targets? Yes, I would take that chance. And what's the defense that comes to mind? An old school, what, a 5-2? Yeah, like a bare front. <laughs> so, or a 4-6. But that's more of a that's more of a run-stopping defense for the goal line more so than anything. That if you have the safeties that can get the job done, then granted, you can do that. But, yes, you're going to have to do something where you're literally putting more men in the box because what's taking place is – it's called a hat on the hat. Yep. You get a, If there's a hat on the hat, guess what? That means the running back's one-on-one. And that also means that he's got past the second level. And once he's in second level, you already gained, what, five yards anyway? So you're already screwed from a down-and-distance standpoint, and you're ahead of the sticks. So really the only thing that we can do, and it's a good thing to do, because as you just alluded to, we have the guys that can play corner. We go five deep with guys that can actually yep. cover So, no, I don't have an issue with putting three cornerbacks on the football field. But here's where teams are smart, though, Nathan. 
what they're going to do is go into bunch formations, and then they're going to cause a situation to where now you're forcing that cornerback to be one-on-one in a tackling situation. So there's always going to be a, a contrast to what they're going to try to do, and Bill knows this. We're, they're going to constantly put our cornerbacks now in a situation where they're one-on-one tackling because we keep on losing contain, and we're not doing the best of jobs forcing when we are in that spot. And yeah. especially on man-to-man coverage, it's even harder to do that. So that would be the key to that. Now you go bunch formation because we're having an issue with what? Who has this guy here? Communication. Who has this guy there? And that causes confusion and chaos in our defensive unit as well. So it's a mixed That's why bag it's that of chess match. Absolutely. I like, listen, if we need our corners to tackle MJ Emerson, Greg Newsom, I like both of those uh, yeah, guys I like tackling. Them, I like them in that matchup. I do. Yeah, I do, and I like our matchup against their receivers. Just real quick, top level offensively. They're going to run it. Ramondre Stevenson, third in the NFL, five and a half yards a carry. They've got Jacoby Myers, who's got 86 yards a game. Actually, last week had 111 on seven catches. He's been good. They've got some big play guys. Aguilar started dropping passes. Aguilar, he kind of got benched last week a right. little bit. His snaps yeah. went down to just seven, the lowest of the season. Tyquan Thornton, 4-2-8-40. And they've got two good tight ends, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Defensively, they're led by a lot of veterans. Matthew Judon up right. front, six sacks. Mm-hmm. Devin McCourty on the back right. end. Back in. They've got some good players up there, and, and it's a good scheme. And as you talked about, it's funny. I was talking with Coach Stefanski, and you'll hear that uh, in a moment. He's like, there are people talk about New England, and they're a game plan-specific team, and that they craft the best game plan for the opponent every week. Like, shouldn't everybody be doing right. that? Isn't that isn't that what the, this is about? It is about that, because Lord knows when I was there, that was the concept. I mean, like I said, if it was, if it was more advantageous – for us to run a 3-4 that week as opposed to the 4-3 or vice versa, we would do just that on the yeah. defensive side of the ball. But we had veteran players, and we had guys who could make that transition, and we had the personnel that could also play that as well and be that versatile in the process. Heck, Nathan, I could tell you situations where we would literally run three different defenses on one play. That's how de- deep it got there. Now, we're still, again. So would it be based on what they did? Then exactly. You, that's what the call Okay, Ty Law, you had the side of football field by yourself. Over here, we're going to play some concept of three. And over here, we're going to play two to take this guy away from the top. Like, you you have like a cover one, a cover three, and a cover two taking place on one play. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. But that type of stuff would go on in New England. And we were able to adjust with that. But that's what you can do when you have a veteran team. And one of the things, and I'm not making excuses. We are young. We're young. But this is three years for most of these guys in this system. Agreed. So, Agreed. so that's inexcusable to still be making these type of mistakes. Yeah, well, hopefully they'll get them cleaned up. When there's no time like the present to do it. The Patriots come into town, and you can be a part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Just look at all the people here today coming out seeing Josh Dobbs by joining the Browns season ticket member waitlist for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in the future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot. Today, when we come back, the head coach here, Cleveland Browns, joins us. It's the Kevin Stefanski Show live from the Great Road Tavern in Cleveland, all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I feel like I have right people in the building. Each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show live from the Grayton Road Tavern all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. Joined now by the head coach of your Browns, Kevin Stefanski. All right, coach, I'm sure you've watched that tape. You've digested it. What did you take away from a game, another heartbreaker against the Chargers? Yeah, I mean, frustrating like we we all have talked about. Uh, You know, I think it really does come down to little things, and that's been the message 
or you know, around here this week is we have to take care of the little things because those little things all add up to a big thing. So you never know which play it's going to be, uh, but bottom line is we got to all do our job, playing and play out. And uh, when you do that, you can play winning football. If you don't do that, uh, it's it's going to come back to to bite you, and you're going to have teams beat you. And I think that's really what happened. I give credit to uh, the Chargers that they certainly beat us, but we got to make sure we don't beat ourselves in those games. All right, you mentioned the details. That's something that the team you're going to play this week, the New England Patriots, that's what they've been known for. They do everything. Everybody do your job. Get the details right. This is a veteran group. Uh, let's start with last time did not go the way that you wanted it to at all. Number one, what did they do? Let's start defensively. What did they do defensively that got the best of us on that day? Yeah, they well, we, we, they took the ball away, which you, you got to play clean football when you're playing on the road, when you're playing at home. Uh, you really just got to take care of that rock, and that's so important to – to what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, I know they're minus two in the turnover margin. We need to be better in the turnover margin. So first things first is us taking care of the football because this is a, a very good team who they can play man. They can also pop zone on you where they become visual on the quarterback. And when the defenders are visual on the quarterback, you got to be great with your decisions. And then the other thing is this defense really ball searches. You're going to see as they try to tackle, they're, they got that balled up fist and they're trying to knock the ball out. So big thing like always, but when you're playing a defense uh, like the New England Patriots, you really got to make sure that you're aware uh, in those zones of, of where defenders are coming from because they're trying to get the ball. Without getting into specifics that would compromise the integrity, obviously, of our game plan this week, but what did you learn from that game, getting to get them again next year, where it was a game that didn't go as well as, obviously, you would have wanted on that side of the ball? Yeah, I think schemes evolve uh, year to year, week to week even, uh, but th- there are some principles to what they do that they're still doing from a front standpoint. Uh, what they do a nice job of is they have very versatile football players. So I take a guy like 23, Duggar. Yep. He can line up at safety. He can line up at linebacker. They can play their base defense out of a nickel fr- uh, personnel, if you will. Uh, so everything becomes the same for every player except uh, some of these DBs that then go down to play linebacker. So it's really well coached. Uh, it's well schemed up. They also have the ability, as we know, that they can really jump into any front. And, and there's you have to prepare for unscouted looks on, versus this defense. So in practice, you can't practice against every look, but you can have conversations as a staff of, okay, if, they're, if they want to go to this, where will we pivot to? Uh, they've done this in the past, so wh- where would we go if, if they're doing this? So some of those conversations become really important when you're playing a team that likes to cycle through those type of defenses. Yeah, they got two of those guys, Adrian Phillips and Duggar. Both of them kind of play that hybrid. They can be in the slot. They can be linebackers. They can be safeties. Now, when you go against a team, you kind of know who their personnel is going to be. You don't know how they're going to deploy them, per se, but they're going to be nickel or dime 90% of the time. And then from a coverage standpoint, they play the most cover one in the league, man one. They play at combined 73% one and cover three. So similar probably pre-snap looks, depending on the technique of the corners. But how does that help you as a play caller knowing, okay, we know who's going to be on the field. And we know that three-quarters of the time, it's going to be one of these two coverages. The middle field is going to be closed. Yeah, I think that's kind of the, the chess match. And when you get into these things and you get to Sunday and you kind of see what their plan is, uh, you're right. They have not played a lot of base defense. They did play base to us early in the game last season, so we'll see if that's something that they want to do. Uh, like you mentioned, they close the middle of the field. They love to play a post-high safety defense. Uh, a lot of times cover one, a lot of times in three deep. Uh, and then what they do a nice job of are those change-ups. Uh, because, so it is. it may be a high percentage of man, it may be a high percentage of middle field close, but 
you have to be ready for the changeup because that's what the, the their defense is trying to do, uh, make you think that they're they're closing the field every play, and then they will play a zone uh, every once in a while. Judon's playing at an unbelievable level. He's the only player in the league with a sack in each of the first five games. Uh, he had half a sack against us last time. Dietrich Wise has four sacks. Those guys getting after the quarterback, what's made them so effective, especially Judon? Yeah, very, very good at running stunts in games as a upfront unit. They, they really do a nice job. Uh, Technique-wise, uh, how they coach it, I think they do a nice job. Judon, he, he can win versus a stunt. He can also just win by himself and pass rush. Uh, he's He's very, very big and fast. He's athletic. He's also, I think, has a great understanding of how to rush the passer. I think he's got a very good feel. He knows when to come under. He knows when to go over. Uh, he's got good patience in, in all his movements. So he's a guy that we've played. We, we know him, uh, and we have a ton of respect for him. All right, let's talk a little bit about when they have the football now. We don't know who will be the quarterback, whether it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. And, and what have you seen if it is Zappi? A guy I just looked was looking him up. Guy broke all the records last year in college: five thousand nine hundred sixty-two yards and sixty-two touchdowns at Western Kentucky. So he obviously can throw it around, and he's been pretty darn efficient in his in his first two games yeah, in the NFL. I've been very impressed. Like you mentioned, we don't know exactly who we're going to see, but speaking about Zappy, I've been very impressed. He he really can make every throw. You go back and you do watch that college tape. Uh, obviously, you evaluate these guys when they're coming out, so you have a pretty good feel for what they do, but. I see him making throws in this in these games. I mean, he's he's pushing the ball down the field. He's making good decisions. He's athletic. Uh, so he, they're doing a nice job in, in how they're coaching him, but the kid's making a lot of plays. All right, we've talked a lot about the run defense. This is a team that also likes to run the football. Ramondre Stevenson last week, career high, 26 carries, uh, 161 yards against the Detroit Lions. Last time we played them, Harris was out too. He had 102 touchdowns on the ground. Big, physical, strong back. How do we kind of shore up this run defense and try to put the game, I think ideally, into the hands of one of their quarterbacks rather than letting them run the ball? Yeah, I I think that's obviously been a huge focus of of ours and and making sure that we can get that fixed. There's many things that you can do from a front standpoint, pressure standpoint, those type of things. We also just got to make sure that we give our guys a plan that they can execute, that they can be sound and disciplined in because run defense uh, in in a lot of ways comes down to being in your gap, winning in your gap. Uh, So, so much of what we've uh, talked about this week is is doing our job, uh, making sure that we're in our gap, in the proper gap, and then winning with physicality. I mean, it's it's run game football. It's it's sometimes it's not that complicated. It's uh, a lot of one on ones. Uh, when you're getting double teamed, that s- uh, should free somebody else up to get into play. Uh, so it's about a mentality, and then ultimately, eleven guys around the ball that are tackling and tackling well. Was the loss of Anthony Walker maybe bigger than some people realized? And, and let me frame it like this: you know, like a Steve Nash as a point guard makes everybody around him better that he made people around him better, not only with how well he was playing, but making sure people, younger players in the league, knew their gaps because it feels like our gap breakdowns kind of coincided with him leaving the lineup a little bit. I mean, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Anthony Walker, the person, the player. Uh, He's a great leader for our team. It's great that he's back in the building uh, now and providing that leadership while he's rehabbing. Uh, Listen, (laughs) not having him out there... uh, as a coach, of course you want him out there, but uh, the guys that are out there just need to do their job, and, and, right. and I say that respectfully to Anthony's impact on, on our defense. Um, so when when you have a guy out, you've heard it a thousand times, next man up, and you have to know your job and you got to do your job, and I think that's why we're working so hard in the meeting rooms, in these walkthroughs, to make sure that there's a great understanding of what we're doing. 
perfect segue. Next man up, and we'll get you out of here on this one. Actually, two-parter. First, MJ Emerson. How about this kid? Third-round pick. Wants Mike Williams in the biggest moment. Makes the play. And this is a guy who I think if you'd said, oh, this was the 10th pick in the draft this year, people would say, Brown's got a good one there. He was a third-round pick. How impressive has he been? Yeah, I, I do go back, Nathan, to just the spring. I mean, he impressed me in the spring. And I, and I think it's how he studies, how he prepares, how he carries himself around the building. It's really important to him. He, he's a all-ball type kid. Competes. Uh, competes. And then to watch him, he's not perfect in, in the run game, but just to watch him tackle and be physical around the ball, uh, like you mentioned in the past game, he, he's very, he's he will uh, be aggressive uh, in his coverage. So, He's got a ways to go, like all rookies do, um, but I love how the kid approaches the game because that tells me he's going to continue to get better. And joining him this week, Greedy Williams, who played very well for you a year ago. We haven't gotten to see him this year, but how nice is it to have Greedy back? Yeah, Greedy, you know, was unfortunate injury there a few weeks back, has rehabbed uh, really hard and, and done a nice job. So looking like he'll be ready to go this week. And, and he's a guy that's made plays for us. He's, he's made plays down the field on footballs. Uh, he, he's, he's a very trustworthy player, and I know the guys are excited if he can make it back. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Good luck on Sunday against the Patriots. Great. Thanks, Nathan. All right, we'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show live from the Great Road Tavern on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. All right, welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show. We're live at the Great and Road Tavern in Cleveland, and we are on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Folks, be sure to stop by the free Twisted Tea tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. Twisted Tea tailgate is located on the west side of First Energy Stadium and combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music, food, and drink options, along with areas for socializing. The tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff and is open to fans with a ticket to the game. Let's go around the league now. Nathan's Gerard, Gerard Cherry with you as always. And Gerard, a couple of slow starts for the two teams that met in the Super Bowl a year ago. The Bengals, they are 2-3. and three. The Rams, they are 2-3. and three, But they've done so in different ways. Which team, Gerard, is in the most trouble, in your opinion, the Rams or the Bengals? It has to be the Bengals. And the reason why I say the Bengals is that they spent so much money getting the offensive line. And the last time I checked, that offensive line is not doing so well. And on top of that, it seems like they've lost that fear that they were putting in everyone's eyes with the skill position players. Grant, they still have a talented roster and what that represents. But we know about that talented roster comment as well. But I would look at how they're playing right now, Nathan. And I don't see a fire. I don't see a desire. I can at least say with the Rams, it seemed to be more competitive. And granted, I will give this to the Bengals. Of late, they've been playing better. But I can see them this weekend losing. And I can see a situation where they're 2-4. Yeah, absolutely. The Rams are going to beat Carolina. I would see them, right. could see them losing to just about anybody else uh, on the schedule. But Carolina right now, they are dreadful. This is what I think. The Bengals, and if you listen to people down in Cincinnati, they'd say there's a lack of imagination. The offense, they're down on their head coach right now. They're right. down on their play caller. He's not scheming things open. Everything looks the same. Defenses seem to have all the answers. They can't run. The line hasn't been great, to your point. The Rams, though, do have a good scheme. The right. Rams just are lacking talent. They don't have talent on their offensive line. They cannot protect Matt Stafford. They don't have a vertical threat in the passing game. They can't run the football. And then defensively, they're not as good as they used right. to be. They've lost a lot of guys because they've been so good and there's been so much money People invested. Raid the roster. I, I would, like, if they were playing today, 
I would think that the Bengals would really? beat the Rams because uh, I don't think they can protect Matt Stafford. And, I, I really don't. Yeah, and for me, I I just see the Bengals in a, in a lesser light because I still feel that the Rams could actually win the West, even though I think the 49ers are a top team out there. Agreed. But there's a chance where I can say, okay, these guys can get together. They have championship caliber guys on the roster still who have been there and done that. But ultimately, I look at how did you hire of late what I see from the Rams and what I've seen from the Bengals. And what I saw from the Bengals, granted, they lost to the Ravens in the way in which, and the Rams lost as well. But I still walk away from it saying that if I were to match them up, I don't see it in that same light. I see it as an issue of who's tougher, who wants it more, and who's truly like I've been to the Super Bowl and I'm good. And I get that sense from, and this is totally speculative, no stats to back it up, but that's the sense and feel I get when I watch the Bengals. It's just my eye tells me that this team really doesn't want it. Well, they better turn it up but in But neither one, to be honest with you, want it. I just think the Rams are just fundamentally broken. I yeah. just don't think they can do the things they need to do to be successful on offense yeah, because fair. of personnel deficiencies right now. Right, and if you don't have that, then what are you going to do? And on top of that, when you have McVay saying what he was saying at the end of the game, I'm going to actually take your side on this, Nathan, and agree with you. Because I just thought about what he was saying in that post-game conference, and that sounded like a guy, we have a couple of guys still that are playing hard on our roster, and we have a couple of guys that are still bought in, and we're going to figure out who those guys are, and we're going to continue to grind. It's week five he's saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, it is a problem. And Stafford, you know, is a guy that needs to be protected. He's not a mobile quarterback. Right. And, and you saw that Dallas game. I mean, they were decimated. They're not averaging 20 points a game. Right. And the Rams. Poor. Right. That's poor. Never happened for Sean McVay before. All right. Matt Rule, first coach out this season, fired earlier this week of the following. Whose seat is hot and whose seat is not? Let's start with Mike Tomlin. It's not even lukewarm. No. (laughs) Freezing cold. It's not even a consideration. Very chill. What's those those cryo tanks called? Yeah, right. It's a cryo cryo tank. (laughs) The guy's never had a losing season, and I understand that, like, this is going to be a long year for Steelers fans. Right. Very. But they're a team very much in transition. They, you know, new quarterback, Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, it didn't work out. They've lost their best player and, and one of the you know five best players in the NFL, T.J. Watt, for right. a period of time. They're just – it's hard to compete under those auspices, and they're not. But I think Mike Tomlin certainly is not the, the issue. It's much more – if anybody's on the hot seat in Pittsburgh, to me, it's the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. Right, and I wonder if they have a bunch of 31, what, three-point scored out, outings. Now, will that put them on a hot seat? I would still say no. I still think it's more of the coordinator. Right. I think Mike Tomlin's a good coach. All right. right. Nathaniel coach. Hackett in Denver. Very, very hot seat. Should be. <laughs> very, very hot seat. I think right now he may have questions, and I hope he doesn't do this to himself, of do I belong here because he's made statements like that. When he made the comment in which he said the following, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not used to making decisions. I'm more, I'm more accustomed to making suggestions. The whole role of a head coach is to make decisions. You're the coordinator. You Yes, you make suggestions. So right there, and the fact that he was saying and alluding to that, hey, he's not even making these decisions anymore, Nathan, tells me that he may not be fit for this job and he's better off being a coordinator. So I can see a scenario if they continue to play the way they're playing that he'll be fired soon. So I'll say very, very hot. I mean, I think he's already made enough decisions that are fireable already. Yeah, that's and fair. let's not forget the new owners aren't the ones that hired him. Right. So he's got, I mean, whatever. He's supposed to be an offensive genius. They've got good talent. Russell Wilson looks How's the guy brutal. Who, if you're brutal. If you're connected to Aaron Rodgers, why would one label one a genius? 
good question, especially since Matt LaFleur is the one calling the plays anyway. I'm with you, but that's just the way that it, he was hired because he was supposed to be such a good offensive mind. And but again, guilt by us, uh, I guess. If his last name wasn't Hackett, he's not I mean, it. that helps too, but again, Aaron Rodgers is one of all-time greats. He's going to make any coordinator look smart and good. Yep. How do, how do teams not take that into consideration? They should because, you know, maybe they say, oh, well, I've seen it. I know how it works. I'm coming from this tree, blah, 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 blah. All right, Cliff Kingsbury of the disappointing oh, Arizona man. Cardinals at 2-3, and three, though. Chance to get to 3-3, three and three, beating Seattle in the division this week. And then next week they get DeAndre Hopkins back, who seems very excited to return. That should help. And as a former teammate of mine, and I like Cliff a lot, but I definitely feel like he's definitely on the hot seat. And I can see them being a 500 football team, or I guess you can't be with a 17 record, but a 17-game season. The road. But – I do see a situation where if he goes, if he splits these games and don't make the playoffs, that he will get fired. I can see that. I can that. see that, too. And here's the thing. You look at Cliff Kingsbury's teams every year. They're normally really good the first two months and then dreadful. Right. right. And so right now we're not even starting off from the really good to have room for some of the good, dreadful. Good, the bad, and it's ugly right now. Frank Reich in Indianapolis, a team that seems to be underachieving a little bit as well. They are 2-2-1, and, and, and that offense looks gross in Matt Ryan. Fuego. In Fuego. I mean, that might be one of the situations where he might get a Matt Rule situation where he doesn't make it through the season. Because you're talking about a team that you think coming into the season, you get Matt Ryan, you were very – but then again, go back. Based upon what took place last season, to be honest with you, Nathan, how did you lose to the worst team in football at, at the time was the Jacksonville Jaguars? Your, they beat them every time. They beat them like your, 11 straight and times. And your playoff conti- – Playoff contention was on the line, yes. and you lost. That's right. So that right there threw me off. Yeah, that was. that's why they ran Carson Wentz out of town. Carson Wentz now in Washington. They play tonight. Ron exactly. Rivera has shared his thoughts on Carson Wentz. The quarterback is the problem. No, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry about that. A lot of stuff going on there. All right. When we come back, we're going to be joined live here by Josh Dobbs from the morning pregame shows to the final play of the Monday night game. There's no such thing as too much football. The same is not true for gambling, though. Staying with it too long can lead to trouble. So set the limits before gambling and get more tips like this at KeepItFunOhio.com. Browns quarterback Josh Dobbs next, live from the Great Road Tavern. It's the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns cornerback Denzel Ward. This is Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is Joel Batonio, and you're listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. All right, we are live at the Great Road Tavern. Nathan Skur, Gerard Cherry, it is. The Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network and fans mark your calendars for face-off on the lake presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium. It's February the 18th. The Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines right here at First Energy Stadium. Tickets are on sale now starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. Very happy now to be joined by Browns quarterback Josh Dobbs. And Josh, before we get into stuff talking about the Browns, let's talk Tennessee, Alabama for a second. This Saturday, 3.30, Rocky Top in Knoxville, big one. How excited are you for that game and a lot of Bama guys on this roster? What's the chatter? What's going on? I'm stoked. I think I, I think we take care of business. It's in Rocky Top. I was able to go down for the Florida game, and it was electric. So um, to have another 3.30 game, primetime, game day is going to be there. Um, you know, I think, I think 
this Tennessee team is for real. And they've shown it, the best offense in the nation. And so um, I'm excited to see them take care of business this, this weekend and then make sure I get all the Alabama guys in some Tennessee gear next week. Oh, that'll be beautiful. <laughs> get, nice. get them in that beautiful Tennessee orange. For you when you go back there, what's it like? Because you were such a great quarterback there, and then also the award you won that's you know the torchbearer, the number one award in the university. Mm-hmm. What's it like when you go back there? It's a thrill still to go back. Obviously, uh, while I was on campus, um, life was very hectic, um, just between school and football and, and community and, and just life. So to be able to go back, um, you know, now as a as a graduate, as a VFL, and um, taking the campus, um, taking the scenery, go back and enjoy a football game from a from a fans perspective. No stress. Right. Exactly. No stress. Right. It's um, it's always a thrill, and I enjoy it. Um, I'm very grateful of my time that I had there, and um, I really enjoyed it. And so to be able to go back and uh, see the people, interact with the fans, um, and just um, talk and think about old memories on campus, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, Josh, take us into the locker room in regards to the meetings that take place. When you guys on the days that you have an offensive meeting and say there's a game played and you watch the film from that and you see a successful play, What's the reaction like in the room, say if it's a long touchdown pass or a long run by Nick Chubb? Oh, it's, um, <laughs> it's so funny. So, like, last week we ran um, we, the first drive of the game. He had the long touchdown. And everyone was just watching for, you know, when he cut back and then stiff arm Khalil Mack in the chest before he went in the, went in the end zone. It's just, it's just so remarkable to watch what he, what he can do as a back when you get the ball in his hands. How he's able to make guys miss, always make the first guy miss in the hole, and then create explosive plays after. And then what was icing on the cake is just a celebration. You know, he scores a touchdown, hands the ball to the ref, jogs off the field, and he's ready for the next one. And that's just his mentality. I think, you know, that mentality feeds across the team, especially, you know, on the offense, being around him every single day. It's, you know, we, we expect – to move the ball, we expect to be successful on offense, and uh, we're not shocked when we have that success because we expect it to happen the next time we're on the field. He is incredible. By the way, after this game, he averaged 7.9 yards a carry. Now for his career, he's the all-time yards per carry leader. As of now, just past Jamal Charles among running backs with 1,000 carries at 5.38 a carry. All right, Jacoby's the starter. You're the backup. What does your week consist of? And I know in certain in the past, sometimes the quarterback room, like you'd be responsible for third downs or the red zone or things like that. Take people through kind of the preparation process that you do, number one, to help Jacoby, but number two, to get yourself ready in the event that you have to go in there and show in the regular season what you showed all of us with that brilliant preseason that you had earlier. No doubt. It's, um, it's a collective effort in the quarterback room. Uh, to myself, Jacoby, um, Drew, Kev, AVP. Um, and so, you know, it starts really Monday, 2 o'clock. That's kind of when we hit the reset button uh, for the past week. Whether it's a win or a loss, um, we're on to the next opponent. So Monday you're kind of getting a jump start on whoever you're playing, watching game film, just getting a feel, sense for what they like to do on offense. Tuesday echoes that same um, rhythm. Um, and then when you're in on Tuesday, then you're breaking down like first and second downs because Wednesday practice consists of first and second down passing. Um, and then from there, uh, Wednesday wraps, first and second down. Wednesday evening, you're on the third down. It's more situational football. Sure. Whereas, and then Thursday is your longer, most intense practice of the week because you're going through various situations, especially third downs, um, which is we call money downs because that's where you make the most money on the field. That's you're right. You're to stay on the field. So on third down, Thursdays are a huge day. Um, and then Fridays, we call them fast Fridays. You get in early, watch some red zone tape, um, some situational ball, two-minute, dive into that. On Fast Friday, and then by the time you know 
you uh, hit your car door um, on Friday evening, you have a great feel of what the team, what the what the defense is doing that you're playing. Um, personally, you have a great feel. Um, so that's the joint effort. And now for me, um, in my position, it's, um, you know, being able to, one, take advantage of the reps you get in practice, whether sure. it's on the scout team side or uh, running running the offense. And then from there, it's getting as many mental reps as you can and putting yourself as in in every single game situation that you will get um, and so that when your number's called, you're able to go in, read, react, and play football. Well, certainly, obviously, we want Jacoby to stay healthy, but if you're called upon, I know a lot of people will be very excited to see you out there, and we're so glad that you are here with the Browns and here with us tonight at the Great Road Tavern. So, Josh, thanks so much for the time, and best of luck when your number is called so you can go out there and deliver some wins to this Cleveland Browns team. No doubt. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, Josh Dobbs with us here at the Great Road Tavern. Gerard and I will be back right after this to wrap things up. It's the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Join the Browns for a night of painting drinks and appetizers at Browns and Brushes, presented by Brownstown Napa Valley. The event takes place Thursday, October the 27th in the Cardiac Club of First Energy Stadium beginning at 7 p.m. Tickets are $50 and space is limited. For more information, visit clevelandbrowns.com or call 440-891-5050. Browns and brushes, wine, drinking, painting. Sounds tremendous. All right, Gerard, time real quick here. Stock up, step up. Whose stock is up? going into this game against New England. Oh, it's MJ Emerson. He's going to get an opportunity more likely to start. And with that, I'm very confident he will get the job done. He had a key and pivotal play last week on that fourth down prevention of the pass being completed. Very impressed with what he's doing on a defensive end. Agree. I like him. My stock up's going to be, you could say, the Chief. He's got five catches and 70 yards and three straight. But how about Ethan Posick, oh, a guy whose name we haven't center. talked about, our backup center. Pro football folks is number five center right now, and he's playing great in between those awesome guards, Batonio and Tellerite. Who needs to step up? Ah, If you play defensive line, if you play linebacker for the Cleveland Browns, you need to step up. That type of gashing, that type of being run upon, falls in their lap. They're going to have to step up because if you don't step up, you're going to see it week in and week out. And here's an opportunity for you to what? Go out there and play because if you don't play, you're going to get replaced. It's really that simple. The league is cold in that regard, but if you get an opportunity to go out there and perform, you have to perform. And if you're not, things like this will occur. All right. The middle of the defense. Right. The run defense. The defense. Everybody. We need to win the game. We need everybody to step up. But I'm going to go Cade York. Drafted in the fourth round. Okay. You were brought here to make important kicks. Yes. You missed two last week. You've got to step up. You're going against a guy in Nick Folk who has made an NFL record miss. 63 straight kicks inside of 50 yards. 63 straight. He has not missed inside of 50 yards since week one of the 2020 season. That is outrageous. Let's go. Katie York, a good role model for you right there. Step, step up. up and get it done. All right, Gerard, this is a big one, obviously. The yes, Browns is. and the Patriots, both at 2-3. and three. You want to get back to 3-3, three and three, and then you get the two division games coming up. It's a Bill Belichick team. You know they're going to be prepared schematically. 
just big picture, what must the Browns do to get it done? First and foremost, don't beat yourself because the Patriots capitalize on you making mistakes and putting the pressure on you, hoping at some point you fold. And when you do make that mistake, they're going to take advantage of it. So what you have to do is be physical, be explosive, because if you bring that element to the football game, they don't necessarily have those type of weapons. But if you find a way in which you're playing clean football and at the same time maximizing your opportunities is how you beat the New England Patriots. That's right. Go out there, take care of business. We still don't know if it'll be Mac Jones or if it'll be Bailey Zappi, a quarterback for the Browns, though. It should not matter. Go out there and take care of business. I want to thank the great folks at Bud Light and the great folks here at the Great and Road Tavern. For our coordinating producer, Meredith Kane, engineer Andy Roth, and executive producer, Jason Gibbs, this is the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You're listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network.